Still controversy out there on this Lions situation. We get at it with Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, on a Locked On Lions Tuesday, January 2nd, into Wednesday, January 3rd, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Derry with you. Still kind of uh, rubbing the, the some of the salt away from the wounds of last weekend, but of course, the Minnesota Vikings are coming to town this Sunday. We'll get into that and much more with Nick Baumgartner from TheAthletic.com coming up in a second. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. That's it. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. You can follow me on Twitter at Dairy Speaks. Nick is with us. He's at Nick Baumgartner on Twitter. Also the Matt Dairy Facebook fan page. And thanks to all of you that subscribe and watch us on our Locked On Lions YouTube channel. It's been a wild few days. Dan Campbell back on the radio this morning talking again about what took place over the weekend. Nick, great to see you. Uh, welcome in. Thanks, man. Great, crazy times here, here in Detroit with what's going on with the Lions. How, how would you kind of recap these last 72 hours or so? Uh, well, you know, the, the, the situation live, um, I think, pretty clear. The ref got confused, overwhelmed, and made the wrong decision, made the wrong call. I think what happened here, if you really distill it down, is this. Um, the Lions use Matt Nelson, number 70, all the time as the jumbo tackle, right? The sixth offensive lineman who comes in, and sometimes he's sometimes he's uh, tackle eligible. I think always tackle eligible, but sometimes he's the, he pulls across as a blocker. But he, he plays a lot, like 20 snaps a game. Even in this game, he does. And the plan of this whole play was to send multiple tackles to the ref to trick the defense into thinking that, like, oh, Nelson's in the game. So he's tackle eligible. That's the guy we got to worry about if somebody's going to leak out and catch a pass. And of course, Decker's the one who goes and reports. And then they go up and they line up. And the situation, the, the official either hears Decker and then doesn't process it and then goes right back into the line of scrimmage and sees Nelson and then just goes automatically like you to mean his skip, old skipper. You mean skipper? Skipper. I'm sorry. I keep calling him Nelson. Skipper, not Nelson, whatever. They're pretty similar guys. Skipper used to, I'm sorry, Nelson used to do used this. To be skipper doesn't know. And, right. Anyway, so right. So 70's up there and he just, the, the ref goes through his mental check and he thinks that 70, you know, okay, 68 goes out. We got to throw the flag. And then he just refuses to accept the fact that he was wrong. And I think that, you know, we've seen this enough times, Matt, I think over the years, the NFL media machine takes over by the next morning and, look, that's the line they're going to go with. They're not going to overturn anything or over, you know, and, and for the broadcast, you know, I think uh, Aikman eventually maybe corrected it, but live in the moment, even they were kind of like, this is a three-way foul. And I'm like, this is a no-way foul. I don't know what's going on, but right. they got jobbed. I mean, I don't know what else to say on that one. They really did. And it's interesting. It comes out today. And I, and I, I was on this this morning that Brad Allen was going to get a, another assignment this weekend. He and his crew are going to work. Now it turns out mm -hmm. they're going to be the first game of the weekend, Saturday, in prime time at 4.30 for the Ravens and Steelers. It's just amazing. Wow. It's almost like the league is acting like it, this never happened. And they're, they're yeah. giving them a, a pretty prime slot here in a game that has meaning for Pittsburgh in a big way. 
it seems to be the MO all the time when they get caught like this. It's it's not the only time this has happened to this crew even. I mean, there was, uh, I think Schefter was pumping out stuff about the Bears game earlier this year, uh, just recently. The Justin Fields, I think he got hit late at the yep. game, wherever yep. it was. There's a guy, guy got fined and no call. And look, the Dallas game, they're, the Detroit Dallas game, there's a number of situations in that game that were poorly handled. And this is what they do. I remember the reason why they got rid of the uh, pass interference replay was because every single one of them was upheld and they were tired of like all of us being like, you're never going to go back on your refs. And they're like, that's right. We never are. We're going to always trust what they say. Their word is law and we're not going to dispute it. That's what they do. And I I really don't know what the alternative is other than to have better refs and and have better standards. I think that's probably what it is. You know, it's interesting. The NBA obviously has, has Detroit's own, at least formerly Detroit's own Joe Dumars sort of come out when there's a Dean of discipline or there's something that goes on, whether it's Draymond green or whomever Right. Yeah. Uh, in this situation, like you said, I mean, you have an owner this weekend and David Tepper that's threw his drink at a fan outside of his sweet window. Hasn't been a word about it. Brad Allen, like you said, has notoriously been bad this year, whether it's the Valdez scantling play, whether it's the fields play, whether it's a Saturday night uh, down at Jerry world. And, uh, and there's not been a word from the league. And I, I just, I think it sucks. I think it's terrible. Does, yeah. Some accountability would be nice. I mean, this guy messed up Campbell's on the radio this morning on the ticket telling uh, Jim Costa and Stoney, the same types of things. This is what we went through. I brought him over in warmups. I showed him the, the play on a piece of paper. Right. It's incredible. And, and, the, and the result of the accusation, I think that ultimately they landed on was the Lions were trying to, you know, uh, cons- uh, deceive and deception and, you know, and gamesmanship gamesmanship. Yeah. Okay, well, if that was the case, then you should have told him that pregame. You should have told him that before the game and said, Dan, you can't run that because X, Y, and Z. Can't do it. Like, And he didn't. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, the pool reporter even goes and asks him a number of very good questions, and he ignores all of them. Just doesn't answer them. And it's like, okay, like if, if that's going to happen, then there's really no accountability. Why are, why are we even bothering pretending that there is? And Yeah, that's unfortunate. And the unfortunate part is, as you know, it can, it can cost somebody a playoff game. It has cost people playoff games. Not just the Lions, other teams in the past, too. So that's just how it goes. That's part of football. It always used to be, you know, hey, that's human error as part of the game. And I, to a degree, I can I, I can understand that. But, I mean, I think we can do better, you know, even with that. Nick Baumgartner with us, theathletic.com, a lead NFL writer. Does a lot for the draft as well, which I want to ask him about in a little bit. Although this is no longer draft season, SCN here in Detroit. We've got a playoff team to talk about. Last thing on this Brad Allen thing, what effect do you think it will have on the team when it comes to seeding? And certainly, you know, you want to be the two, you can't be the one now really anymore and all these things. But do you think it motivates them to then go, hey, bring it on, bring on Stafford on in a few weeks, bring on Dallas again? Or mm-hmm. would you rather see them be the two and not and avoid some of these, uh, uh, you know, pit stops? Well, I think they would certainly rather have the two if all things can break. You know, you want the best possible, you know, situation for yourself. But I think really internally, yeah, I think that Dallas would be the one I'd really be saying to myself, like, yeah, give us them again for sure. Like, I mean, because they outplayed them. They outplayed them, you know, and had the game won. And I think outplayed them for long, large stretches of that game. And I think, you know, in an objective situation, all coaches on both sides would probably admit to that. And, like, that's, you know, that was what they were looking for going to Dallas, going to play a team that needed that game more than they did, frankly, and testing where they were at. And I mean, they were still a little shorthanded. You know, they did not have a lean in that game. They didn't have uh, CJ Gardner Johnson that game. Right. So there's some other guys that could be coming back as well. And they outplayed them and had the game won. And I think that to them, that's, that says we can go with anybody in this, in this league, especially in this conference. 
And um, let's see what happens. And I would say, in just knowing how that room is, knowing Campbell's culture, I would think that you'll see a very motivated group, whatever's on the field this week. And then, you know, be it Stafford or whomever, I think that now it's probably going to be a little angrier too uh, at some point, which is, is good for a young group like this. I think those groups can rally around that. And this is probably the head coach you want to yeah, have yeah. in a situation yeah. like this. How many times have we seen, you know, people complain about the Anthony Hitchens play on Pettigrew in 14 and Caldwell stood there. He did nothing. That's exactly right. That's what I thought about, mm-hmm. you know? And so Dan yeah. Campbell's the guy you want to have, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the, you rarely see him get that animated, but he did. And, you know, I can think back to even Patricia had a moment before it all went to hell. It was actually kind of the last moment that he had that people were still sort of on board with him. They go to Lambeau and got jobbed on a pass interference yeah. non-call at the end, end of the game. And he just would refuse to say anything about it. I think it was like a uh, Trey Flowers got called for a holding or something like this. What it was an illegal hands to the face, hands to the face, and yeah. it was just like, yeah. dude, you gotta, you gotta stand up for your guys, or you're never. And he lost them right after that. He lost them, and you saw Dan right there running on the field. I mean, that's uh, that was for them. I mean, that was certainly good to see. You don't want to see it in that situation, right? But yeah, he answered the way that you would you would expect so far from him. Lions have made a, a move today with Isaiah Bugs. I want to talk about that with Nick coming up. Also, uh, I want to ask him about just the NFC playoff picture and a little draft talk as well. It is a Tuesday edition of a Locked On Lions. All right, we're back here talking about our friends at FanDuel NFL regular season week 18. This is it. Last full weekend of all of the full slate in the card to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get that $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you just place a $5 bet at FanDuel. That's $150, $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. This app is so easy to use. It's really the best. There are many different ways to bet. You got live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab, and you make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find Popular parlays right there at FanDuel. There's much, much more too. Over-unders, you know that. Money line, everything at FanDuel. Go to the website, fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Lions are about a five and a half point favorite Sunday against the Vikings. Who knows who's going to start a quarterback? You want to put some money down the Lions? You can at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Nick Baumgartner is with us, great writer from theathletic.com, also co-author of the uh, now famous book, Mountaintop, <laughs> about the uh, 97 Michigan Wolverines. Uh, your co-author, Mark Snoop Snyder, is uh, moving to Pasadena. He's been out there. It seems right. like he's been there for a month. <laughs> You're stuck here, Nick. He's out Mark there. Mark was in San Diego, too, man. You know, he went up and down the coast. Is what Did he, he really? Oh, this yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's up with that? I mean, come on. He's, but. I saw him before he left. He said it was an aggressive schedule, but he was going. He was. Yeah. He was confident he was going to get through it. I think he probably did. He's probably fine. What does Mrs. Snyder have to say about all this? <laughs> she was going too. I think. I think they were all going. So it was going to be a good time. But but I think that they got. You know, it was good. It's been good. It's been good to see uh, the response for everybody on Twitter for sure. Now here, the book is about the '97 team. The mm-hmm. 2023 team is one one away from i mean is that going to help or hurt sales what do you think <laughs> everyone tells us that that'll help like scott berth our buddy at the mden um who was actually at the 97 game when the mden was just like in its infancy told us a great story in the book about how after that game they made their like they made like a year or two of sales in like a month wow. after they won the national title because everything so everybody says 
they win the title, all merch goes up. So we'll hope, right? That's that's Mark and I's hope anyway, but that works out. Well, uh, check out wherever you get your books of a mountaintop with a Mark Snyder and uh, Nick uh, co-authoring. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan 1997 book.com. Set you there up. you go. Either even better. Um, all right. Tell me about your thoughts. So Isaiah Bugs tweets out today. He's gone. Uh, this has been mm -hmm. a bizarre year for him because last year he, he came on strong. He played well. Everybody's got to resign him. No shows at mini camp in and out of the lineup. And now a tweets out today that he, that he's out. Obviously Lee McNeil's coming back. So they needed a roster spot, but how stunned are you that they cut bugs today? Not stunned because they need the roster spot. I mean, I think it's a, it was probably a hard one for them because look, he's an emotional guy, number one. And, you know, the not showing for mini camp, I think maybe was one of those, like, he, I think he feels he's a guy who's earned it. He was one of the originals, I think in some ways that they talk about, he wasn't a draft pick, but he, look, Isaiah Bugs was a guy that came in that very first year um, when they were really searching for anybody that could do anything and help them stay positive and help them help their culture move along and really help protect it, I think, for their first two seasons. And I, yeah, I think he's probably bummed that he's that they've gotten better. You know, their talent levels raised up. He's an older player now. He's a he's a he's a one down you know defensive tackle. A lean obviously is a lean. It's a different situation. And you know, going up and down like that for some guys, I think like um, we just talked about Skipper. Like he's done that for years, and he does. You know, he's talked about how he gets frustrated with it, but it's part of the job. I mean, it is what it is. Some guys get frustrated with it. They don't want to do it. And and maybe that's Bugs' deal where it's like, hey, we're going to wave you. Or we're going to bring you right back and put you on the squad or whatever and move on. Maybe he says, I don't want to do that. I, I want to move forward or whatever. And that happens too. Um, but I wasn't surprised by it because he's a he's a guy that they sort of use when they need him. And I don't know if he wants that to be his role, but I feel like that kind of needs to be his role at this point in his career. And I'm not sure if he totally is there yet mentally, which, you know, that happens with veterans sometimes. It's interesting because, like we said, I mean, he really played well last year. and I think he's played well too, Matt, in like very the spurts that used him this year. It's just not a lot, right? It's been no. very rare. Yeah. No. And, and that's a position of need. I mean, we talk, I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you about cornerbacks in a minute here, and that's an obvious spot the Lions are going to be looking at in the draft, but they also need somebody to put next to Ali McNeil. I mean, Benny Doe Jones has been fine. They've tried just about everything. Uh, but yeah. uh, Bugs on kind of a random, not a random Tuesday, but just sort of like tweets out, hey, I'm gone. 96 yeah. out. <laughs> well, that sounds about right with him. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty up and down dude. So, I mean, I, we'll see how that all – I think they would probably like to have him back. But, you know, if he wants to move forward, that's that's we'll see. So, when you look at the defense in its entirety here, getting McNeil back now, uh, Campbell saying this morning they want to get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back and both of them maybe could play on Sunday. What, what does that do to the defense in your in your mind? Well, Aleem is a huge thing. McNeil is, um, you know, if he's if he's back to somewhat, you know, close to as healthy as you can possibly ask for of him at this point, he's clearly the best interior tackle they have. Uh, the fact that they have been fitting the run a little bit better, I think that Melifonwu playing up in the box and, and being more confident has helped. They've limited some of those gashes, but when you bring, you know, McNeil back in, that really helps so much on first down, uh, especially against those quarterbacks that are mobile when they don't have somewhere to go up the middle. And he's a guy who can get off a block and and go agile and, and play a lot of snaps too. And and I think that if he's healthy-ish, you know that's a huge huge benefit. And then CJ is I don't know what he's going to be able to do. I don't I really don't. Um, I'm still a little surprised that he's ready right now. Quite frankly, I, I am and I'm not. I, you know, knowing 
his personality. Nothing's surprising in that sense. But I think just from a confidence standpoint, it probably helps those guys in the back end because they're so young and they need it badly. And that was the thing that I think Aaron Glenn, when you if you talk to him in an honest moment, and he's not going to make this excuse in front of anybody, I'm going to put young players out there and I'm going to put guys like Gardner Johnson next to him so that their confidence stays when they make a rough play. And right. he hasn't been able to do that this year. And I, I do wonder if having CJ back in there a little bit, um, whether it's on the field or on the sideline, if that helps with that, if nothing else. And if they get that and nothing else, then that's a win right there in my book. It's interesting where you would put him, though, because right. yeah. Branch has to be on the field. Sutton has to be on the field. Joseph has to be on the field. And now Melifon out of nowhere. I mean, the last few weeks has has become, I could say, a star. But he's had a, a really good run. So it's well. almost like, all right, you got to give Gardner Johnson his due and get him out there. But where do you put him? I don't know. It'd probably be after uh, a rotation situation or something. You give guys a break. I mean, they have been rotating the corners a little bit. Um, you know, if he has played in the box more, uh, I think that as a linebacker, I, I think he his future is one of these guys that is more of a space player who plays up near the box and can pressure and blitz. And I part of me wonders, look, if is, was that the plan at the beginning of the season? Can you get a guy like Melifon along to where maybe you take someone else off the field? And, you know, now we've got athletes, two guys like that, that can run around. They can both play the run. They can both blitz if you wanted to, and they can both cover anybody. And like, to me, when you're playing athletic teams, playing a guy like Stafford, like I would want as many coverage players that can tackle as possible on the field. And so, just having him back, I think, is as an option is is, is, a, is a big deal. Where where does he go? I don't know. And who who takes the cost of that? I guess we'll see. But somewhere, probably, yeah. I was gonna. That was my next question, Nick. You're like looking at it, going, all right. Let's say Dallas, you know, wins. They're the two lines of the three. Let's say they get mm-hmm. Rams first, Cowboys next. You're talking about two passing attacks that have been feared all year. Yeah. And Kendall Vildor is. Is getting eighty percent of the snaps Man. out there. He was he was on the street three weeks ago. Like the was Vildor the one on the CD Lamb? Was he the yeah. one that was? Yeah. I mean, oh, and, and God, God love him, man. He's staying in it, but like he stumbles and then he just dives, and you're like, dude, just <laughs> just tackle him, just tackle him or something, right? And, and like I those he are tries. the plays, yeah, yeah, and it's like those are the plays that just you can't, they cannot happen. So at, at some point, you know, you're hoping. I think if you're Detroit that CJ is back to some sort of functional capability and that, you know, Hey, even if you have to say, Brian branch, you got to go out and play some outside corner a little bit or CJ, you got, you have to, they'll do that. I think Um, as long as get the best five DBs on the field and get five guys out there that, you know, aren't going to give up something like that. And I think that that's all you can ask for right now. I really like how Aaron Glenn has finally, and it takes him a long time every year to do this, but it's stop all the other stuff, peel back, you know, play off, you know, mix up your looks a little bit and just keep guys confident. And when they play like that, they're actually not bad. They're a middle-of-the-road defense. They get the most out of their guys. And, you know, you saw what you saw the other day. I and mean, they're not – they can hang in, but it's like you, you can't have busts like that. What kind of letter grade would you give Jack Campbell right now? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think he's been moved around a lot. Um, so I think when they've asked him to be an edge, when they've asked him to line up on the line, it'd be like a C or lower. But I think when they've left him alone and just left him in the middle, it's been a B or higher. And I think that that's pretty good for a first-year linebacker. I, it's It's been weird because two things have happened. They've moved him around, and then the year started, and Barnes had played so well and jumped him. And then Barnes fell apart in the middle of the year. And then Anzalone has had like a resurgence year, yeah. uh, and he, he just can't take him off the field. 
And so Campbell's role has been a little bit all over the place. And I think that I'm curious to see, because the last few weeks they've left him alone and he's played in the middle and that's kind of been it. And it's, I feel like it's been better. And I'm curious to see if that's what we see going forward. If I would stop moving him around ever, and I would start moving Derek Barnes around and be like, you're, you have to now keep your, you know, find, you have to find a spot. He has a spot. We're going to work with him. And I, that's how I would maybe go forward with that. Cause I feel like Campbell needs to be a little bit more left alone, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Nick is a guy that grinds tape. He loves watching some college games. I want to ask him about uh, the draft. Yeah, so let's do that coming up next as well, right here on a Tuesday, Locked On Lions. But first, let's talk about prize picks. Daily Fantasy made so much fun. It's the top DFS platform out there. Easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is at prize picks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in. I said it earlier. Week 18, now's your chance to get in on all the games and pick the players at prize picks. Justin Jefferson is coming to town, folks, this weekend. You're going to take him to go less than 100 receiving yards. Maybe you go with Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs game, more than 75 receiving yards. You can do rushing yards with any of the backs, quarterbacks in any game. You know, all of these, uh, now, that, now that fantasy football is done, you want to do a little daily fantasy, do it at prize picks. They offer a reboot policy, too, that's your entry stay in play. Even if one of your guys gets injured, nobody else has a platform with an injury insurance policy. Prize Picks does. Go to their website, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Use the code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Daily fantasy sports made easy with Prize Picks. Nick Baumgartner with us from theathletic.com. Please subscribe uh, to them. It's, it's nothing. It's like, a, what, what, is it? what do they say? A cup of coffee a week or whatever it is. A cup of coffee a week. Get on there <laughs> and read his stuff. I always read Nick, big Zach Meisel fan, and, and many others. Yeah. At the athletic, our friend, our friend uh, Mike Sando as well. His NFL mm-hmm. stuff's always, always on point. And Colton Pouncey, of course, as well. That's right, yeah. All right, yes, Colton covers the Lions, does a great job. All right, tell me about... So I'm thinking cornerback for the Lions. And who knows what number it's going to be. It's hopefully it's going to be late 20s and everything else with their first-round pick. But as you look at this roster now, do you agree with me? And, and who would be out there for Detroit? Yeah, I think corner, I would look at edge as well. Because I think that if you look at the, both those spots, obviously, like those are the two that stand out. You know, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, <clears throat> I was just actually just looking at it today. Corner... You know, there's a kid in Toledo, Quinion Mitchell, uh, who not many people know much about. Who I, I think he's going to end up with a first-round grade from more teams uh, than probably not. And I'm curious. I think the Lions are going to really like him. He's got really good length. He's really, really fast, um, really, really explosive, really, really good kid and a quality, you know, young guy who he's the type – he's the Zay Flowers, right, where half the SEC offered to buy him, you know, this year, and he said, no, I'm going to stick with Jason Candle and – in Toledo, it's really, I mean, I, that's a guy that I look at for teams like Baltimore or Detroit down at the bottom there that, that have that type type of tough culture underdog type guy who's going to prove it. I, I like him a lot. Um, and then the edge guys in that range, it's interesting. I think JT Tuialmolo from Ohio State, uh, Braswell from Alabama would be another one there. Um, those are the two that are probably off the top. I'm trying to think Josh Newton would be another corner from TCU. Um, but the other thing too is like, you know, I, I almost wonder if they could move around a little bit with this pick too. I don't. I don't. I think that there's so many teams 
that are going to need quarterbacks and to, to see where these, you know, where everybody falls, you know, how it all goes. I know everybody likes to pick on every little thing that McCarthy ends up doing. And fair enough, I could make a thousand cases for him to go back to school. But every time I look at the board, it's like, he's going to go in the first round. I mean, there's too many teams that need a quarterback. So I do look at that too for Detroit and say they've moved before up. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they, you know, maybe look at that and say, now we really have an advantage to take it. You know, we're not going to take a guy if we don't love him because I like JT to Molo too. I mean, but, could you do better later if you, if you think so? I mean, that's, that's a situation I've looked at a little bit lately too for them. It's interesting uh, with this Jonah Jackson situation. I have the Lions, I think would be drafting their new left guard right away. Right. Yeah. Possible. But uh, Jonah, there's, there's games you watch them and you go, man, free agent, he's going to get, uh, uh, he's going to get the bag. And right. then even the other night, there were some, some spots he missed. Mm-hmm. He's not having maybe the great Jonah Jackson year, but again, this offensive line, you you know, Brad Holmes has made it a priority over the past few years. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I've been all aboard the. I think you got to resign him. I think he's so important to what they do, and it has been. You're right. I mean, the injuries are concerning, and I do wonder if that impacts his market too. I, I don't know. I don't know what what the market would say about Jonah because, you know, man, I think that's a great point. Like he has played next to Ragnow his whole career, and he's played on the line with Sewell for most of his career. That's not nothing. You know what I mean? You get to play next to, you know, generational talents. Uh, Sewell and Frank's not far behind in that case. So I think that impacts maybe some of it. Maybe that would drive the price down. I don't know. I would think that this team, though, if you talk to Campbell or Fraley or those guys, they would absolutely – I mean, they they know the value of him because, I mean, their run game and their protection, but I think their run game just isn't the same when he's not in there. And I know that he's been up and down this year, and he's been up and down – I think with injuries and health in his whole career. And that's why it's hard to pay a guard, especially a guard like Jonah, because he's not an awesome athlete. He's a, he's a fighter who doesn't get bullied much. And he's really, really tough in that guard center guard gap area. But I don't know what the price will be. And, you know, man, you'd hate to lose a guy like that, especially because you don't really have a plan. You know, you've got some young guys, but you're not really ready to replace a guy at his level. So I would pay him, and I, 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 you know, I know that's tough, but uh, I would, I would try to get that done as best I could. I, uh, I know I'm going to post this video on YouTube, and I, I can guarantee two of the top, two of the first ten commenters will say, "Oh, what about Mikey Sanders still to the Lions?" There you go. <laughs> it always happens. Always happens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that could though. I mean, like he's another guy. Michigan's got a ton of guys that I think would fit what they want to do now. You know what I mean? Like Sanders still is a guy who'll go, he'll go a lot higher than people realize. I think he's a guy who will be done on Friday. I think he's a day two, you know, top 100 prospect just of how tough he is. Amazing. But, um, yeah. Amazing. Some tough story. players on the team. Nick, great to see you, my friend. Thanks so much for uh, coming on today. You bet, man. Anytime. Nick Baumgartner with us from the athletic.com and mountaintop. Check out the book. What's the uh, website again? You got me. Michigan1997book.com or on Amazon. Just find it on there. There you go. But uh, check out Nick at theathletic.com. we got the crossover on the Thursday with Luke Braun, of course, host of a Locked On Vikings. Stick with us right here on Locked On Lions, your team every day.